Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome everyone to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. And I'm BJ. And this week we are continuing our discussion into the history of Dragon Quest, all the cool behind the scenes stuff that went into it. Um, Last week's episode ended with us talking about the uh, Dragon Quest II coming out and also Dragon Warrior coming over here in the U.S. and in North America. Mm -hmm. Um, Really quickly, do you want to give everybody like a quick TLDR about Dragon Warrior Nintendo Power? Yeah, so the Dragon Warrior Nintendo Power, when it came out, um, Dragon Warrior didn't do as well as it uh, should have over here uh, in the United States and in the West. So Nintendo had entirely too many uh, copies of Dragon Warrior. Uh, which is the first Dragon Quest in uh, in the Americas, and so they published a con- uh, con- not a contest, a, a giveaway through Nintendo Power that for every new subscription that they would send you a copy of Dragon Warrior for the NES, and uh, it came you know in the box as the 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 game itself. They had the cart and everything. It was really really awesome. Uh, my friend got it. I didn't actually subscribe, but my friend Luke at the time when I was a little kid, uh, he got it and we just sat and played it, but it was a way to try to get the game out there to the, uh, to the community as Dragon Quest two was already out in Japan. And you know, the success of Dragon Warrior one would then, uh, predicate or the success of Dragon Warrior two would predicate on the success of Dragon Warrior one. And it still only did fine ish. Uh, like it's got good memories for a lot of people, but it wasn't nearly as popular as uh, they had hoped it would be even giving it away. Uh, it was kind of sad actually looking back now. Yeah. And then around the same time, around the time that dragon warrior one was circulating around the U S and a lot of, of American dragon quest fans were playing their very first dragon quest game. Uh, we had dragon quest three coming out in Japan which this is like, this was the, this was the game changer. Like I, I yes. talked about um, last week, maybe about how, you know, first game did better than they expected it to. And then second game did well. And Dragon Quest was starting to kind of, it wasn't quite a phenomenon yet, but it was like, it was a popular series in Japan. People were, were loving it. And then you had Dragon Quest three came out, which was like the just, uh, huge cultural phenomenon there like can't stress enough what a big deal it was and i've i read i pulled up sales data on this before we recorded the episode because i remember it was like a pretty crazy amount right Uh, in its first week alone dragon quest 3 sold 1 million copies in its first week wow yeah which this was i mean this was the 80s that's that's yeah that's a big deal (laughs) it's massive yeah yeah um, so even, I mean, even compared to some, uh, triple a games today, I mean, 1 million in the first week is still huge. 
Yeah, absolutely. For, for point of reference, the uh, Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin game, its, fir- <laughs> it's yeah. first week sales were like 46,000. Right. That's 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 actually more than I would have wanted it to sell. No, I, <laughs> that's actually uh, worse than I expected it to be. Um, I figured it would sell a couple hundred thousand during the but, first week. But still, that's that's the most recent Square Enix game. That yeah, has, yeah, that absolutely. So you're looking back so, at, at that versus the initial Dragon Warrior. Yeah, so you're looking at Dragon Quest three, which one million first week. Uh, this is also around the time when the huge urban myth starts about Dragon Quest games having to be released on Saturdays uh, by law because of uh, kids and adults skipping work in school. And so the the true story behind this uh, that Yuji Horii and some other DQ producers have given in interviews, uh, the true story that's behind this is that uh, the, the original games came out on Tuesdays, I believe. Either way, it was in the middle of the week. Yeah, Uh, middle of the week. When when Dragon Quest III came out, there was so much hype surrounding it already that a lot of people, you know, took off from work, didn't go to work. You had lots of kids who were busy waiting in line and then were busy playing it who didn't go to school and all of these things. And so, yes, that part of it is true. There There were a lot of people who were playing this game and missing work in school because of it. But there was there was no law. There wasn't the quote unquote Dragon Quest law that people mm-hmm. uh, reference a lot. Like there's no government law that says, "Hey, Dragon Quest games have to release on on Saturdays." What happened instead is that because this was an issue, uh, that they decided, "Okay, we're gonna we'll release these games on Saturdays now, so that people don't have to worry about missing work and school in order to play them." Mm. Yeah, I mean, and that is incredibly conscientious for a game developer like i honestly don't know if today if that hadn't started in the 80s i don't know if there would be a game company today that would do something like that because it's kind of seen as a mark of pride people taking off of work and using their pto and missing school for uh the release of games yeah that's true but you also have to think about how many people like didn't take pto or didn't take uh oh yeah just completely skipped school skipped work kind of thing too and and in the 80s and too, I mean, work, work conditions, PTO, like all that stuff has greatly changed since it has changed since the a lot. 1980s. Uh, uh, and and did we're you talking ever about skip school a for a country. game, anything like that. Did you ever uh, when you were growing up, did your parents ever let you or you just did it skip school for anything like that? I never skipped school for a game. The only the only day I ever remember skip like actually skipping school, like intentionally skipping was when I was in high school, uh, all of my friends, most of my friends that I was really close to were in the grade above me. Uh, I was always friends with like older kids and the uh, friends were in the grade ahead of me. And one of my friends, Jordan Robertson, she was wanting to do senior skip day for those seniors. I was a junior. And anyway, and so I ended up skipping school with her and we went out like to the mall and then uh, met up with some of my other friends there, some of whom had already graduated and just kind of hung out. But it wasn't for like a, it wasn't for a like game or anything. It was just like, you know, senior skip day. Uh, okay. It wasn't my hey, senior I, skip day. My, but the, only seniors, the only senior skip day I ever did was not even, I wasn't even a senior. <laughs> 
I did. I skipped a couple of times. One of them was for the episode nine or the episode one premiere in 1999. Uh, I skipped school that day and actually held my teacher's space in line and got them tickets. Um, so I wasn't counted <laughs> absent. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, right. That, that it was it was awesome. And uh, then my mom let me skip. Uh, I told her that a house was collapsing in Ultima Online. Yeah. And I wanted to sit and camp the house to try to place my own because it was in a, like a really like excellent spot in in the game. And I was like super into this game and it was worth like real world money in that location. You could sell it. And uh, she let me skip school that day to uh, camp a collapsing house in Ultima Online. And I ended up getting it. And that was one of the uh, one of the houses I ended up selling for hundreds of dollars uh, later. Uh, was but it was uh, it was awesome. My mom just being like, "Yeah, you know what? If you want to do that, that's fine." And uh, it was it was awesome. Like it makes me so happy that, that I was sixteen. I remember I was sixteen because that was when I still lived uh, where at, at at the old house that wasn't at uh, uh, where once we had moved after I was sixteen. So I know I was sixteen years old when both of those happened. Like it was great. Like that's one of my favorite like memories of skipping school. It's like my mom let me do that to get a house in Ultima Online. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for me, um, like there were definitely some game releases that I remember where it was like I got obsessed with it and I was like have to play it all the time. Uh, like Legend of Dragoon is probably my first memory of a game coming out where I was like, I played it like I would wake up early before school and play it a whole bunch as much as possible uh, to get extra yeah. playtime in. But I would still go to school um, when FF14 uh, came out. You know, I was the same way playing it uh, before work a lot of times uh, and everything. Like I would wake up early before work when a new patch came out and then. Uh, when Dragon Quest Eleven <laughs> came out, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't miss work for it, but it was like uh, my family and I went up. I'd been playing the game for just a few weeks and was like very much obsessed with it. And my family and I were going up to Orlando for the week to spend uh, some time, like uh, for it was like for Thanksgiving, I guess, mm -hmm. and to go look at like the Christmas lights at Disney and things like that. So we got an Airbnb house. Uh, for like the week and I, you know, packed up my PS4 and everything and just toted it right up there with me because uh, there was no way when I wasn't at the parks or wasn't doing stuff with family, like at night and early in the mornings, like I was playing yeah. Dragon Quest 11. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Like I can, t I remember that, like you going like all in on it with that. Yeah. And then I was still playing it around Christmas time because uh, uh -huh. I was trying to platinum it and everything. And so I, you know, packed the PS4 up and all that stuff and carried it with me to Tennessee. I'm very, very much happier with the Switch version because it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to tote DQ11 around now. <laughs> it's true. Have you played? Uh, I can't remember if I've asked you this or not. Speaking of like toting it around, have you played the PS5? Have you played the uh, 11S on the PS4 version of 11S on the PS5 for like the the yes. enhanced uh, like performance and all of it you would get from the PS5? Yes, it looks really good. It runs. Does really it? Good. Is it pretty? Yeah. Because I uh, I haven't opened my copy of I don't actually have 11s on the PS4. I have just 11, and I haven't opened my copy of it to to put into the PS5. So I know that the Force Awakens Lego game looks really really awesome on the <laughs> on the uh, PS5. So I can only imagine what DQ11 looks like. But yeah, that, for some reason that popped into my head when you were talking about toting it around. I'm like, I wonder if you're going to tote around your PS5 at some point. Because yes, eleven is awesome on PS5. It was it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I haven't beaten it on 
on PS5 yet just because there's been so many other games to play and I've played 11 like a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, for DQ3, so this was this was a huge, had a huge cultural impact on Japan. Uh, this was, there's photos that you can still find online where it's just like the lines are backed around, you know, street corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, uh, there are signs saying it's sold out. They don't know when they're going to be back in stock, things like that. Uh, I read in an interview with uh, Miyamoto where right. uh, he said that uh, they actually uh, increased production of cartridges. Nintendo did because of uh, Dragon Quest three coming out. They knew oh, it was wow. good. They, they knew because I guess because of like, you know, marketing and, and traction and yeah. stuff, they knew this game was going to be huge. And so they like started increasing productions of their carts like big time uh, because of Dragon Quest three. And then you also had you had things like, you know, Zelda. We talked about Zelda. The first Zelda came out right before the first Dragon Quest game. And then you had Zelda 2, The Adventures of Link, which has the uh, the infamous uh, like Here Lies Roto on it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. This was also repeated as a grave in the first Final Fantasy game in Elfheim. Mm-hmm. And they changed it after Square Enix merged. They changed it to Link. Which I, yep. uh, and I don't know if the merger is what caused it, but I feel like it probably did. <laughs> I feel like it could have, yeah. Yeah, but you had, you know, a lot of games were were uh, were calling out to this because uh, because Dragon Quest had such an impact, and it was almost like these other guys were jealous, so they put in these little Easter eggs to like try to bury the game. And obviously, Zelda Two did not have the cultural impact that Dragon <laughs> Quest Three did. I think Zelda Two is probably widely considered the worst one, right? I mean, it's still I, I, good though. Like I still like it. Zelda Two is a good game for what it is. It was experimental, and I've always enjoyed Zelda Two. Yeah i I don't remember much of Zelda Two. I remember giving it a try and not liking it when I was a kid. And I've never gone back to it as an adult. Like it's it's I, I've I've played it a little bit on the Game and Watch that you got me for Christmas, and like it's still a fun little game. Like it's not the typical Zelda game that people wanted at uh, at the time. And but I remember it's the same as the DQ one thing. Uh, Luke and I played it. He had Zelda two, and I had Zelda one. And we would sit and we would play Zelda two a lot. And it was just different and fun. I don't know. Maybe it's because I have decent memories of it as a as a child. But it had a lot more like RPG elements than the original Zelda did with towns and shops and things like that. Like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the side scrolling parts. So mm-hmm. so meh people. Uh, but yeah, it was. <laughs> It was. It didn't hit like people wanted it, but I still, I still hold that it's a really good game. Yeah. So, so Zelda two, uh, the I think it was the North American version of Final Fantasy uh, that I had the, so, yeah. that first had it uh, had all this stuff, you know, against against Roto because or Erdrick. Um, Lodo is, in later uh, renditions as the hero is known, which by the way is a is a min- mistranslation. I asked the translator about it. Uh, in an interview that you can read over on DragonQuestAustin.com. Uh, I know we're not at the shameless self-promotion uh, segment yet, but I feel like some people who grew up hearing Lodo are going to be like, why do you guys keep calling it Roto? Uh, mm. Well, that's why. It's because we have an official answer now that it was just a mistranslated thing. Because uh, Nob Agasuara, the guy that translated that mm-hmm. interview, uh, the reason for that is he just said uh, that he thought that the that Americans would not want a hero with rot in their name. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which makes sense. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. 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 
uh, the whole Roto thing really kicked off. You had this huge twist ending where not only was the game like first you had a twist ending was that there was more game left and that you fell into the worlds from one and two. Mm-hmm. And then there was a huge twist even further along at the very end where you find out that you are the hero, the Roto, the Erdrick mm-hmm. from the first two games. And that the first two games are about your descendants and all that. So it was like this really big deal. People were really excited about it, had that job system, vocations that people loved. It was very expansive and, especially for its time. And even today it holds up really, really well. I feel like it holds up the best out of any of the first trilogy, the Erdrick trilogy, like DQ is the one that holds up the best. And this is, I mean, this is why they're remaking it first. This is why Mm -hmm. DQ three is getting a remake because I mean, it's got its own following in the West, but I mean, in Japan, this is like, the game like this is the thing that inspired so many jrpgs that came after it and inspired like countless video game developers since then and so yep. i mean of course they're gonna make remake dq3 first i mean this is like the dragon quest game it's the most dragon questy of all the dragon quests it it <laughs> i like that uh it it really is i mean i i will hold that dragon quest one is the most accessible to start with of the three, but really dragon quest three holds up the best by far. Uh, it's the one that feels way more like a modern game than it was so far ahead of its time when it came out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then after, after dragon quest three came out, it really left, uh, Yuji Hori and the whole dragon quest team kind of in a, like, what do we do now? Because they had, they had this trilogy now. They had really gone back to the beginning with the twist ending there at DQ3. And so I was like, where do you go from here? Is this like the end of the series? Uh, what's what's going to happen from here? And it right. wasn't the end of the series, obviously. Uh, but before we get into talking about Dragon Quest Four, I do think it's time for a little shameless self-promotion. Sh- 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 shameless! Oh, oh, oh shameless! Oh, oh, oh. That was something. (laughs) It was, wasn't it? You're welcome. Those high notes, though. (laughs) Yeah, it was like the ghost of Michael Jackson (laughs) uh, uh, right now. Not really. I'm not sure if I should take that as a compliment or an insult. Yeah, uh, not not really. You did not quite. (laughs) You did not quite hit those MJ. uh, Oh no, never do. No. Um, I love I love just being off key and terrible. Yeah, apparently other people do too, because no one's yelled at us for doing these yet. Um, Nope, not yet. But we do have a Patreon page I want to tell everybody about. You can visit patreon.com slash dragonquestfm if you want to help this uh, podcast, help support us, and also support BJ's singing career, aspiring singing career. Uh, Then you can do that by visiting patreon.com slash dragonquestfm. Also wanted to mention that the Dragon Quest Around the World interviews that I mentioned in last week's episode have started rolling out. Uh, the first one is live right now at the time of this recording, uh, which is uh, from uh, Dragon Quest France, the person that runs the, the biggest DQ France uh, fan community for Dragon Quest, uh, interviewed them. So the first one is about France. Uh, I've got a bunch more lined up on the way from places like Argentina, India, Hungary, uh, Spain. So there's there's a lot uh, on the way, and there should be another one going up uh, sometime later this week. Uh, also, I wanted to mention that 
Dragon Quest FM is about to celebrate its 150th episode, which is that nuts. is crazy. It is crazy, right? And like we thought that it wasn't even going to be, we weren't going to be able to do it every week or anything and be like, well, we'll do it whenever we can, whenever we have something to talk about. That's true. But then we always have things to talk about. Yeah. Um, and people were very supportive of, of us on like social media, Patreon, just all over the place. And so we were like, hey, let's talk about Dragon Quest every week. It's fun. It lets us catch up. Um, and people have not hated us yet, <laughs> or it's at least true, the, yet. Or maybe the majority. Yeah, I'm sure there are people who listening who are like, well, I hate you. I'm never listening to an episode again. <laughs> but anyway, or they're hate listening. Like they're hate I'm listening. Fine with too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either way, 150 episode is coming up in just a few weeks. And so we have this thing that we haven't mentioned a lot lately, uh, but you can go to uh, anchor.fm slash dragon quest and leave us voice messages. And so if you want to just leave us a quick like, hey, share a favorite Dragon Quest memory with us or whatever. We thought this would be a special time to share those for, uh, from some people because it's 150. I mean, that's a big milestone. And so uh, if you want to do that, you can visit anchor.fm slash Dragon Quest and leave us a voice message and we'll try our best to put it on the show. We're going to try to put a lot of them in uh, to that 150 episode. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. It's true. Um, I, I, this, that reminds me of a story uh, of putting them in the show. Um, one of Jennifer's favorite things about me uh, is that it comes up occasionally was that when I was 18 years old, I had a local radio show on Saturday nights yep. and uh, called BJ and the kids on the square. Yep. And uh, like the best part about it wasn't that is that it's an AM radio show. And uh, one night somebody called in and was, was talking and I was and wanted me to put them on the air. Blah, blah, blah. We talked for a little bit and I did. And the first thing they did was drop the F bomb. <laughs> like, I trusted them, they dropped the F-bomb, and I sat there just completely mortified, and, like, this station was owned by somebody out of, like, New Jersey, and, like, I immediately got a call from, like, the people who owned the radio station, whom I'd never spoken with before, and I'm just absolutely mortified. 18-year-old me is just like, I didn't mean to, they said they weren't going to do anything, and it was it was awful, so I'm, I'm imploring all of these people that if you drop the F-bomb in this, I'm not putting you on the air, because I learned my <laughs> lesson 20 years ago okay so well, yeah but that's what i thought of when you were like we'll put you on i'm like but i'm so careful now i said we'll try <laughs> i said we'll try to i mean i don't know how many uh, we're gonna get and we've i put this on twitter too and there, there's a few of them that have come through already so right so as time allows and as <laughs> as bj's uh uh stringent rules allow <laughs> no uh, we, we will, <laughs> uh, we'll do this but anyway we do we would love for you guys to uh celebrate our 150th episode with us so uh that again is anchor.fm slash dragon quest it seems like we hear about a new cyber attack almost every single day. Now on the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. Malicious cyber actors are targeting the healthcare and public. This isn't just about hacking big corporations anymore. It's about hacking you. You don't really know how prepared you are until it happens. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, host of Click Here, a new podcast making sense of all things cyber and intelligence, from disinformation campaigns to ransomware. They call them cyber mercenaries. Do you think you guys are ready for the next ransomware attack? Oh, I never want to jinx myself with that. And how we stop them. They pulled out a badge. And at that point, I was just like, holy shit. 
Click here, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting back into today's episode, though. So Dragon Quest Three came out. It was like huge, massive, just it can't emphasize enough how big this was. But it also left Yuji Horii kind of in a like creative funk. Yeah. I've read uh, multiple interviews with him from the the Schmuplations website that, that translates interviews that I mentioned Last week has some. There's just uh, several floating around on the internet from different gaming websites. Uh, there's the Dragon Quest, Legend of Dragon Quest book that I think I mentioned last week as well that has some little snippets from interviews in it. So you can, this is kind of pieced together from just a wide variety of sources and, and yep. reading materials here. But essentially what happened was that Yuji Hori, understandably, I mean, he'd been working like nonstop on this series. He had like made this really important successful trilogy uh had really helped to launch like an entire genre uh (laughs) on his own and so understandably yeah it's like where do you go from here yeah and uh and so he was kind of stuck it didn't hold them up for too long i mean dragon quest Mm 4 released in japan in 1990 so this was not a this was not like a oh where do i go from here uh, and then, you know, he sat for like 10 years. He pulled a George R. R. Martin and is like, I'm working on the winds of winter, I promise. But then is literally doing anything else but that. Um, he It wasn't like that, but it was kind of like he said that he he wasn't sure what to do. Where does he go from here? Like he felt like like nothing that he could do could top Dragon Quest 3. And so it was it. But. Uh, eventually the solution to that was Dragon Quest four and shaking up the formula a bit. And he did this by, I read that he was inspired by like the omnibus kind of storytelling where, you know, you have a, which omnibus for those who maybe aren't familiar with the term, it's like a collection of a bunch of different things, like a comic book omnibus or the Nimbus omnibus. Uh, (laughs) Amazon.com. Yeah. Uh, All like it's a, it's a collection of things. And so the Dragon Quest, Four is very much that you know it follows chapters it's like a storybook you play through the chapters and then at the very end in the fifth chapter you go around and collect everybody and then everybody comes together and i think it was probably a smart decision in a lot of ways to really to to make this change because the mm-hmm. expectations for dq3 were so high that it's like where what do you what do you do after that you know how do you top right. how do you top dragon quest 3 do you have an immediate sequel, you know, that's set after? It's like that Erdrick Sun. Do you follow up as a sequel to DQ2? Do you just like throw all of that out and create your own new thing? Uh, you know, what happens? And so I think it was a smart decision to do that. But also they put a huge emphasis on characters. Like Dragon Quest Four is really where the storytelling and characters start to shine. And it's also one of those reasons that I get really up in arms when people say Dragon Quest doesn't change. <laughs> because I'm, I'm like, uh, it changes. <laughs> like, do we, do we need to take this outside? I will show you graphs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will show you, you graphs. I will show you pie charts of Dragon Quest 3's narrative compared to narrative and characterization in Dragon Quest 4. I got bar graph, son. I want to see you Charlie Day people (laughs) with like Dragon Quest graphs and like versus like Final Fantasy narrative graphs. Like I, I really want this to happen. Yeah, but seriously, I really do. I really, that's one thing that just, it really, it's like a huge pet peeve of mine is whenever people are like, Dragon Quest hasn't really changed. And I'm like, but it's, it totally has. Every Dragon Quest game is different. 
and you see a huge difference in DQ3 and DQ4. And uh, and and it did pay off. You know, Dragon Quest IV did not have the cultural impact that DQ3 did um, in in the West or in in Japan. And for the in the West, it was the last Dragon Quest mm-hmm. game that released in North America for a long time. Dragon Warrior Four came out on the NES. Yep, they skipped five and six completely, and a lot of people didn't know about four. Uh, I didn't know about four for a good long time. Um, being an NES game, like it came out in America so close to the end of the NES's life cycle that yeah. I honestly didn't know that it existed until like we started really digging in on Dragon Quest, looking around, like playing them all the way through, that I didn't know it was an NES game. That I never once saw a Dragon Quest four in the video store or in any of the uh, the magazines. Like it never stuck out to me at all. I remember three. I remember uh, Dragon Warrior three and everything, but man, four was a complete miss in uh, like my cultural recognition of uh, of like RPGs at the time. It yeah, was- and it's. And it's still the one that I see the least like for sale online. Mm-hmm. I even a while back I even saw on eBay where it was like complete Dragon Warrior NES set and it did have Dragon Warrior 4 in it. And oh. I was just like ah, Ouch. Pain. Yeah. But um but I mean, you know, I I will never own Dragon Warrior 4 on NES because I didn't buy it when it was new and it's now stupidly expensive. I haven't looked in a while. What's it going for right now? Like I checked, I haven't checked in a little while, but the last time I checked, it was like three hundred bucks. If you yeah. wanted, if you wanted a box and the game for Dragon Warrior Four, it was like three hundred bucks. And if you only wanted the cartridge, it was still going to cost you like an entire Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's silly. Like, it like is, and it's because it, it flew under yeah. the radar for all of like everyone, uh, like all fans and stuff like that. Like so few people got it when it came out. And they took that to mean that, uh, well, nobody really cares about it over here after all and stopped giving them to us. But we did get Chrono Trigger, which I'm fine with. Well, that's a debate for a different day. But but yeah, but then after Dragon Warrior 4 released over here in the States, we skipped 5, 6 until the DS remakes came out. And then we had Dragon Warrior 7 that released on the PS1 and didn't do so high in the States. Uh Uh, It did... I always found this fascinating that Dragon uh, Quest Seven outsold Final Fantasy Seven in Japan. Right, Final Fantasy Seven is, you know, had a huge cultural impact in the United States because this served Final Fantasy Seven was like the introduction to JRPGs for like an entire generation of yes. people. And to an American, the idea that Dragon Warrior Seven, this game that looked really outdated yep. and moved kind of slow on PS One. The idea that that outsold a game like Final Fantasy VII just seems kind of mind-boggling until you look at how important Dragon Quest is in Japan. And it kind of all goes back really to Dragon Quest III uh, as a way to just kind of tie this all up before we dive into any other Dragon Quest games. It really all goes back to Dragon Quest III. One and two were good. They were celebrated titles. They were successful. But it was really Dragon Quest III that put... Dragon Quest on the map and just has really given it the longevity and the recognition that it's gotten, the the acclaim it's gotten. Yep. A lot of that is owed to Dragon Quest 3. 
I look forward to getting one of the things I haven't played are the Game Boy versions that you mentioned. I want to play the Game Boy Color version of Dragon Warrior 3, but it's relatively expensive still. And and I don't have a Game Boy Color. Uh, I have a Game Boy and then some Game Boy Advances. Um, but I actually want the Game Boy Color and to play it, but uh, getting the actual set of uh, Dragon Warrior 3 on the Game Boy Color can be expensive. So uh, that's one that I really want to play through. For some reason, that one's just so pretty, and it's supposed to be really good, a good translation. So yeah. I, I look forward to getting through those eventually whenever I can find one that's not uh, out of the range at which I'm willing to pay for it. So... This is, this is kind of off subject, but it's also an update because I said a few weeks back about how I was wanting to play Dragon Quest three on the Game Boy Color, but I didn't have AA batteries. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't bought AA batteries in like <laughs> yeah. years. I don't need them for anything. We had like this whole conversation about three or four uh-huh. episodes back. About two weeks ago, uh, I was asked to review Amazon Luna, uh, the streaming <laughs> service for, for yes. work. And the controller has uh, has double A batteries. Okay, came with double A batteries. And the as as far as streaming, it's fine. I wouldn't recommend the service to people because it's like kind of one of those like who is this for kind of things. Yeah. Um. But that's an entire discussion for another day. But anyway, so I have this controller left over now that I'm not really gonna be uh, probably using very much unless it's like plugged in. It didn't come with like a charger or like a cord or anything. It's just that and two double A batteries, but I have some double A batteries now uh, <laughs> that I can plug into my game boy color and, uh, play dragon quest three on, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm really close to beating trails of cold steel four right now. Are you finally been, close? I know that we've been I, talking about it a bunch. I didn't yeah, know how far you just, were in it. It's a super long game, and it was like the last one that was going to be out in the States for a while, so I really dragged my feet on it for a long time because I was like, well, once I beat it, what, I'm not going to have another one to play. But then, you know, Trails from uh, Zero comes out uh, in September, uh-huh. and so uh, so now I'm like, okay, it's, it's cool for me to speed things up a little bit and actually beat this game now because I'm going to have another one. With enough time in between to kind of rest between such a massive kind of RPG. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but either way, I have AA batteries now, so I'm hoping to, I guess, maybe after Trails of Cold Steel 4, maybe I'll play Dragon oh. Quest 3 on Game Boy Color, because I do have AA batteries now. Um, so yeah, fun fact there at the end of this Good episode. Talk. Uh, Good talk, Thank Ice you Town. guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. You can also talk to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. And if you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can find me at DragonQuestin. Those Dragon Quest Around the World interviews, you can find at DragonQuestAustin.com. And you can talk to me on Twitter at Professor Beej. Uh, you can listen to my other podcast, the geek to geek podcast, you know, wherever you're listening to this one, because it's a podcast. And you can talk to me and Austin and all the other people in geek to geek uh, media at our Discord at ge- discord.geek2geekmedia.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. What was that voice? Bye, baby.